Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapadia here. I've been threatening to fire off some Sixers takes for like months now. Cliff keeps reminding me, Shield, you said you're going to fire off some Sixers takes. Today's the day. We're going to do that. You know, just the idea of this show, we're going to add kind of a bonus episode on this feed for the next little bit where I'll be on and maybe we'll be doing some Sixers. Maybe we'll be doing more Eagles. We'll get some Phillies in there as they start their season. So we'll figure it out as we go along. But like I said, today we are starting with Sixers. I'm thrilled to have on the guy I've been listening to on this feed. Uh, you've heard him on this feed. Raheem Palmer. Raheem, are you are you scared? Are you nervous? Are you like, what is this guy going to be bringing to the table uh, with his Sixers takes today? I'm not scared at all. I mean, I'm actually excited. I mean, how I mean, how could I be scared or nervous? With, we got still on the feed, so it's, it's going to you know, turn up. It's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. I was just listening to you and Chris Ryan on the previous episode. We're, so we're definitely upping the Sixers content here. Chris, we'll see. Maybe he'll jump on here uh, at some point and surprise us. But Raheem, what I wanted to start about, and you and I have actually talked about this before, about like the idea of sports fandom and how it's maybe not always about winning a title. It's about kind of, does this team bring you enjoyment? And I got to say, I found with this Sixers team specifically, I don't know, whatever the last stretch you, you want to talk about, like 
to me, this is the most enjoyable team we've had of the Joel Embiid era. I mean, I went into this season going, all right, they're bringing Doc back. Come on, are you, you know, are we really going to expect something different from James Harden? Like, I was not invested at all. Even going back to last season, I remember the final playoff game against the Heat. I took my dad to the game. I'm like, let's go. You know, we you haven't been to a game uh, since the Iverson era. Let's we'll go watch this game complete disaster. I remember at the end of that game, like I didn't really feel anything. I didn't feel like any emotions. I wasn't bummed. I was kind of like, all right, I sort of thought they were going to lose this team. I'm feeling more invested in like, you know, when I sit down and watch a game, end of the game, most nights I'm thinking, I'm glad I spent time with this team. Like that was a fun experience. So uh, as someone who enjoyed the Doug Collins, Andre Iguodala uh, Sixers teams alongside me, as we talked about last time, what do you think about this team just kind of zooming out from an enjoyment perspective? And, And if you agree with me or disagree with me. I totally, I totally agree with you. When you look at this team, I mean, Besides the fact that they're winning, um, I mean, when you look at the fact that, you know, since the college year, they're 22 and eight um, and, you know, they're one of the better teams in the league. But also there's a level of excitement. You know, um, me and Chris were talking about this the other day, but James Harden is really like a, a kind of a, a steady player. You never see him get too liar, too high or too low. But the one thing I can say is that it feels like he's kind of really bought into his role and you see him doing things that you never see him doing before. You see him diving on the floor for loose balls. I think he dived on the floor for a loose ball in that Memphis game and passed it out to Joel Embiid for the dump and that comeback win. Um, I mean, we just see a level of resilience from this team, whether it's coming back against the Nuggets, um, whether it's coming back against the the the, the Bucks, or coming back against the Grizzlies. It's just a fun team to watch. Yeah, even that Mavs game, right? You're, you're sitting there going, all right, this is one where they're getting blown out. And then all of a sudden, they start out with the fourth quarter in the bench, and they're right back in the game. I mean, it reminds me a little bit like watching the Phillies in July where you're going, some this this version of this team feels a little bit different than the previous ver- uh, versions of this team. So I, I'm right there with you there. Yeah, there has been sort of a resilience um, to this team for sure. And I was thinking about, you know, being a Philadelphia fan, you, your, your mind sort of goes down this road sometimes where I'm thinking like, there's no one to yell at really with this squad. You know what I mean? Like usually you're going, all right, somebody, somebody's mad at the GM. Uh, you're, you're mad at the coach. You know, maybe you'd be mad at Embiid or condition. You know, we've heard the conditioning thing in the past or Harden. Oh my, he's just going back to Houston, but it's like, well, Harden, this is the best you could have ever expected out of James Harden and beads playing at an MVP level doc. Like I know doc doesn't get any credit, but I actually wanted to ask you this, right? Cause you follow uh, the whole league. Like <laughs> when you look at the job docs done, Are you like, man, if they had Coach X, they would be in a much better spot right now? Or do you feel like he's kind of getting the most out of this group? Because that is the one, as I was going through this exercise, I'm like, I know people still like to yell at Doc a lot, but I wanted to get kind of your opinion on on where you're at with him as we go down the stretch and into the playoffs. Well, I mean, I have my beast with Glenn. Um, And (laughs) I don't think that's ever going to end. I think Glenn is the type of guy who... He trusts his veterans, and that can be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. And, you know, when you look at Isaiah Joe, he's thriving in Oklahoma City right now. When you look at Matisse Thibel, I, I just feel like he doesn't always get the best out of the younger guys. And we tend to see those guys go to other places and thrive. And, you know, when I look at the Sixers team, to me, you know, we saw it the other day with, you know, James Harden not playing. Um, the game with Joel Embiid not playing. We won 
all three games on a three four night stretch. We have a deep roster, but we could be even deeper if, you know, Glenn just didn't give up on the younger players. And, you know, the one thing I give him credit for is that he's starting to play Paul Reed more. You know, earlier on in the season, it was just like he kind of stuck to his guns and played Montrez Harrell. Even though Montrez Harrell, he can't defend um, offensively. He's not what he was. But he's playing Paul Reed more. I think, you know, Glenn, he just gets the most out of his team when we're shorthanded. And you saw James Hart miss nearly a month. Tyrese Maxey missed more than a month. So I want to give him credit, but there are still things about him that frustrate me. Yeah, it's kind of been like the last couple of weeks. I kind of am looking forward to when they don't have the full roster. You know, you kind of just want to see how the different pieces fit. All right, they don't have uh, Tucker and Tobias Harris tonight. They don't have James Harden tonight. Who's going to play well? Who's going to step up? Like that's been sort of a fun part of this post-All-Star break and even early in the season, like you mentioned, when they didn't have Harden and Maxi. But I feel like Doc's taking, a, you know, my, my friend Rich Hoffman uh, from The Athletic makes the point that really no NBA fan base is ever like totally happy with their coach. I mean, you can look Look at the teams that are playing really well, and there's always going to be something with the rotation or how they're using timeouts or whatever. But uh, in terms of just the job Doc's done this year, I think it's probably been better. You know, that could have been a train wreck. He could have been gone after what the first uh, you know month of the season or something if that thing went really badly because people thought he might be gone after last year. And then you know, Daryl Morey, like the the Simmons James Harden trade. I mean, right now you're sitting pretty right there you know you're like all right this is let, let's see how it looks at least from now till the end of the year so they're kind of in that weird spot where there's I, I know this will change if they disappoint in the playoffs but right now you can't just pick out that one person and say all right you know this this person is really frustrating me and annoying me right now so that that was just kind of some of my uh big picture thoughts I wanted to ask you about the offense no, because I was looking up now, like uh, I, I've been nerding out a little bit with some of the NBA stats, much better than the football stats, as you know, uh, Raheem. And just mm. looking at how well this offense has played. Like if you look at that stretch during the road trip, that's their best five game stretch of offensive basketball all season long. I mean, they had four straight games that if you just look at points per possession, uh, ranked in like the 85th percentile or above, like that's a consistently high level. And, and my question to you is the way they play offense, is this something that feels more sustainable in a playoff setting? Because we all know you can look at the stats at the end of the year. If you lose in the first round, if you lose in the second round, if your offense falters, if it doesn't execute down the stretch, no one, no, no one cares. So do you see this as like a different, ver you know, a different version uh, from the offenses they've had in the past? And do you have confidence that regardless of whether they win or lose in the playoffs, the offense is going to show up? Yes, I have total confidence in this offense. And the big reason why is because you have, I mean, two of the elite scores in this league. And, you know, if you look at Joel Embiid, you look at James Harden, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, those guys, they slip when it comes to the playoffs. But you look at that James Harden and Joel Embiid pick and roll. When James Harden is, is the ball handler and, you know, Joel Embiid is the, is the screener, they're getting like 1.1 points per possession, per second spectrum. And, you know, it's just that that play itself is unstoppable. But then you have them surrounded by a ton of shooting. And then you have a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who's just been, I mean, he's been playing out of his mind lately. Um, he adds a certain level of pace to the offense to where, you know, he can get up in transition. I just think this offense is just, and I've been saying it all year, their best defense is going to be their offense because we kind of struggle in transition, but when we actually, you know, score the basketball and we can get a set defense, 
We can stop teams. We have a little bit of an elite defense in, on, in the half court. It's the transition when we can't score and guys, teams can get out and run. That's where we struggle. Yeah, I mean, the offensive numbers, and you mentioned that that pick and roll is just something that should translate to the playoffs. You know, that's not like gimmicky or fluky. Like, that's going to be something where opponents on sort of their first day of game planning for the Sixers, they're going to be like, how are we going to play this? And do we have an answer for this? And, and just some of the numbers compared to previous years, I mean, they're all the way up to, I think, third in offensive rating, even better if you look at just since James Harden came back. The only other time they were top 10, uh, it's only been one other time, 2018 and 19, since they've had Embiid. So this is like a totally different offense than they've had in previous years with Embiid. And sort of the way they're playing, you know, when you, when you talk about the playoffs and say, well, the pace is going to slow down uh, and that kind of thing, like they play at a slow pace in the regular season for the, for the most part, you know. It's their half-court offense uh, that is top five in the NBA right now. they I didn't realize this until researching for the pod. They lead the NBA in, in uh, three-point shooting percentage. They're all the way up to 39%. This year, they've got the best free-throw shooting percentage uh, in the NBA. It just feels like for so many years, we've been going, oh, they don't have enough shooting. You know, like they don't have enough shooting around Embiid. You need you need shooting uh, around Embiid. And now here they are. Like, are you, are you confident? Like they've got what, Tucker, uh, Harden, they've got four guys, Maxi, uh, and I think Niang, four guys shooting over 40% from three. How about that, 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 some of those role players? Are, how do you feel about them kind of showing up uh, in a playoff series and that shooting continuing uh, in the postseason? I, I mean, I'm, I'm very confident in Melton. I'm very confident in Niang. Um, where I am less con- – I mean, I'm confident in Tobias Harris. Obviously, I mean, you got to be confident in Harden and Embiid and Maxi. Um, but I think Melton is the guy. Um, where I'm less confident is P.J. Tucker. I think, you know, he is shooting 40% – from three, but you know, he's only taking 1.8 attempts a game. And I think teams are going to let him shoot. I think when you look at PJ Tucker, when you look at Jalen McDaniels, those are the guys who are going to have to hit shots because you know, they're going to make it hard for Joel Embiid. They're going to make it hard for James Harden. Those guys are going to be the beneficiary of a lot of open looks. And right now, Jalen McDaniels, I mean, I know he's only playing 17 minutes a game, but his length, is going to be necessary in certain playoff matchups because he's a bigger wing. Um, Tobias Harris obviously isn't going to play 48 minutes a game. You have to fill those minutes somewhere. So him and P.J. Tucker, those are the guys I need to see consistently hit open looks. Yeah, I've enjoyed the McDaniel's experience. You know, like even even mm. in that Mavs game, what he had like he had like four fouls on four straight possessions. I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I know you don't want to do that. I know that's like the cardinal sin of defensive basketball, but I'm like, he's playing hard. He's competing. Like, when he's in there, this is very different between him and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, sometimes it'll be like uh, three minutes left in the second quarter, and he'll hit a shot, and I go, oh, okay, he is he is playing tonight. I thought maybe he was injured or had the day off. Like, when McDaniels comes in, you know within 10 seconds, McDaniels is in the game he makes something happen. So they are going to have a lot of decisions with their rotations uh, in the playoffs, d- depending on who, who they play, right? With, with all those kind of wing guys. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And the one thing, I, I mean, to your point about um, Jalen McDaniels, you know, when Tobias got hurt in that Bucks game, Jalen McDaniels had to close with McDaniels. And McDaniels yeah. made, you know, the biggest plays of that game. I mean, obviously, he took a, a wide-open three. They fouled him on a three. He made all three free throws. Um, And, you know, shooting isn't a concern, but he made all three free, throw, free throws. And then 
when you look, there was a play after that where I think somebody missed a shot and he got the offensive rebound and, and dunked it oh, in. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like those hustle. The one thing I like about him is he makes those hustle plays. You don't have to run a play for him. He's going to find a way to get an offensive rebound. He's going to find a way to get a steal, a block, you know, a, a rim run, something to where you get an easy basket that you just didn't see coming. So um, I like the experience as well. Yeah, there's kind of like a, at times there's sort of a sleepiness, sleepiness to the Sixers, even when they're playing well, honestly, like, you know, Embiid, and you mentioned it with Harden, it's pretty steady, Tobias Harris, no one would really describe him as kind of an energy guy, and so when someone comes in like that, and it's just like, they're, they're like, I'm going as hard as I can for whatever minutes I get tonight, and you can really tell, uh, I agree with you, I feel like it has an impact on uh, on everybody else, and that leads me to the next thing I wanted to to talk about, and you, and you brought up the James Harden jumping on the floor uh, against Memphis. And it's so funny because I feel like every Sixers group chat in America, when that happened, someone was chiming in going, wait a minute, did, we, did you just see James Harden dive on the floor for a basketball and throw a head to Joel Embiid? And there's kind of just been moments like that uh, really sprinkled throughout the season. And specifically, you know, I, I would say as of late, and I don't know, like, this is a safe space here. I know people are listening. I don't know how many people, but, like, is it okay to admit that I'm enjoying this version of James Harden play basketball for the team that I watch every night and the team that I root for? I don't, is it, I don't know if that's controversial, non-controversial, but I felt like I had to say that out loud and, and let somebody hear it. And, you know, Chris said the same thing the other day. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it's controversial. I think, you know, a lot of people feel that way. I, me personally, I've been a Harden fan for a while. Um, I just think, you know, he, we, outside of LeBron James, I don't know if we've ever seen the combination of scoring and playmaking in one person. Um, so to have that on this roster, um, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but I've always been a fan. But a lot of people feel that way. And I do feel like with him buying into his role and saying, you know what, I'm the number two guy, Joel is the, is the number one, and picking his spots. Like, I mean, he's just been, I mean, it's, it's, it's a travesty that he didn't make the All-Star team. And I know a lot of it had to do with injuries, but he's been absolutely incredible this year. Now, I heard you and Chris talking about, is this the same guy he's always been or is he different? And you felt like, no, 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 this is the guy uh, that he's always been. I, I was looking up some numbers, and I wanted to know, and I wanted to know what you think mm -hmm. about this that maybe suggest he's a little bit different. Because, I mean, you didn't think, though, going into this season that you were going to get this kind of like th this version of Harden, or, or were you confident that this was the guy we we're going to see this year? Um, I was torn um, because okay. I think, you know, a big part of his issues last year was that you know, obviously he came off the, the hamstring injury when he was in Brooklyn. And, you know, you saw all last year, he never really was the same guy. Um, the one thing you could say about James Harden is that he is a hard worker in the offseason. Uh, every year in Houston, he would come back with a new move. He would come back with something in his game. And I think his last year in Brooklyn and his, you know, his first year in Philly, you just didn't see the same guy coming off of that hamstring injury that which, you know, kind of really hurt him in that last Brooklyn series against the Bucks. Um, I just didn't, I, I kind of just didn't know what we were going to get. I mean, I, I figured he had time to rehab and he would look better, but I, I, there was a part of me and a lot of people said this, that Maxie had to be their second best player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's clear I mean, to it, me it, now like, it's clear to me now that James Harden is their most important player in the postseason. And that might sound yeah. crazy, but Joel Embiid is a center. 
And we all know in the modern NBA, you can kind of take the ball out of a center's hand. So when when the when the game is in the crunch time, James Harden, it's going to fall on James Harden. He's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to be able to score. He's going to have to get the ball to Joel Embiid. So to me, he is the key on we're going to go as far as he takes us. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing with Harden, and, and, and to your point there, is that like there's there's why there's high variance with Harden. We know yeah. what the conversations are going to be going into the postseason, pointing to past uh, playoff failures, and what are you going to get from this guy? You know, is, is he going to be able to come through or not? Embiid, even you know, with what you said, I feel like if he's healthy, we pretty much know what we're going to get with Embiid um, in a playoff series. Now there might be some matchups that are tougher than other matchups, and you're right. You know, some teams might figure out ways to defend him where he might not be as effective as he's been in the regular. season. Season, but the variance with Harden is so high. I mean, he's got so much on the line legacy wise just in like the next two months. It's kind of wild to think about. Like if it were if it were me, it would be like how it would be crippling almost, you know, where you're thinking, man, how am I how am I gonna be talked about uh 25 years from now based on what I do in the postseason? That's just how the NBA works. That's how it's always worked since we were kids watching it. Like those were the guys that got the shine, the guys who came through in May and in June, and he sort of got uh, an opportunity here. I mean, I don't know if they have to make the finals, if they make the Eastern Conference finals. I, I think you would at least look at it as a step up. But man, if they lose in the first or second round, now all of a sudden those same questions, all these good feelings I'm talking about, those evaporate uh, very quickly. But some of the numbers I was looking up with Harden, and I want your thoughts uh, on this, whether this points to him being a little bit different or if it if it doesn't really. I was looking at you know usage rate is lowest it's been since the 2013-2014 season. Uh, just 26% of his shots are at the rim. That's a career low. I was wondering, like, does that point to a little bit how his game uh, has evolved a little bit? Because when he had those playoff failures, what did everyone always talk about? Well, those fouls that he counts on drawing in the regular season, you can't count on those uh, in the postseason. And people pointed to that as kind of a reason why he didn't have that playoff success. He, he's shooting, I think, uh, 6.7 free throws per game in his prime. That number was up to you know 10 uh, or 11 free throws per game. And also, this is the best he's ever shot from three, which surprised me as I was going through the basketball uh, reference page that he's up over 40% for the first time in his career. And he had, he had real dips in that uh, in recent years where I think he was down around 33, 34%. So uh, I loved that two-game stretch. The Bucks game, we know what he did in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was like just an epic performance for a regular season basketball game. To do that on the road in Milwaukee uh, against a team that had won 16 in a row, I kind of like the next game even better. I mean, 20 assists, one turnover. Like that was just a game where if you're thinking like old school point guards that are just in complete command, making the right decision every time, setting up their teammates. I thought that was a, a game that really highlighted what a smart player he is, his basketball IQ. So I know I just rambled for like three minutes on Harden and threw 40 stats at you, but um, do any of those things point to maybe this is a little bit of a, of a different version or am I, am I off base? Um, I think, you know, obviously when it comes to his shots at the rim, he is a little older now. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, he could like, you know, last year it felt like he couldn't beat a switch at all. Um, it was just like you put a bigger guy in front of him and those switches that he ate for lunch when he was in Houston, he couldn't beat him. Um, this year it still feels, it feels like he can blow by guys a little bit more, but it's, it's certainly not where it was in his prom. Um, and, you know, when you lower somebody's usage, um, and I think the, the big thing with Harden in Houston is that his usage was just so high 
that you know it's it's impossible to you know to maintain the levels of efficiency it had to come that down. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also when it comes to the playoffs, to me, I think the one thing people don't consider is that when you play this heliocentric style of ball. Um, and you're doing everything and, you know, you're averaging nearly 10 assists and you're putting up almost 35 points a game. Like I, I think his MVP season, he averaged 34 and eight, <laughs> like, or matter of fact, no, he averaged 36 and, and, and eight, you know what I mean? So you're doing that night in and night out. And this is a guy who doesn't, I mean, historically, you look at James Harden. And during his time in Houston, he wasn't load managing. This is not a Kawhi Leonard situation. Like this guy played every single night. Um, and I think when it came down to the playoffs, it's just you play that heliocentric style of ball. He just had nothing left. And I think that's why I'm kind of gearing up for a bigger, you know, playoff series from Harden this year, just because I don't think he has to carry so much of a load. It's it, like I said to um, Chris the other day, we have a big three. Whether people realize it or not, we have Joel Embiid, we have James Hart and Tyrese Maxey. Any of those guys can go off for 30, 40 points at, at any time. And the fact that Hart can pick his spots now, I think that's the biggest difference between them. But I think he's he's mo- he's rel- he's mostly the same guy. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to what we're talking about with their offense. Like they have three guys who just in a quarter can kind of take over. That's really stood out during this drive. Like Maxi will just come out and have like twelve points in a quarter, and you're like, wow, he kind of carried them uh, right there or kept them in the game. We know Embiid's going to, you know, Embiid's doing that uh, almost every night. And then Harden, we saw it in the fourth quarter last game. So just that end of game execution. And again, two months from now, we might be saying, man, what was I talking about on that pod? Look at what what they're doing in the playoffs. But it just feels like they have more answers to problems than they've had in the past, whether it's end of game situations, whether it's, hey, this guy's a little banged up, whether it's, hey, this guy's got a tough defensive matchup. It's like, okay, well, Harden could go off, Embiid could go off, Maxi could go off. Their their role players uh, could shoot the ball if they're open and hit some of these threes. So yeah, I mean, you just have to like where they are from an offensive standpoint. I want to move on to the defense, but I wanted to ask you a big picture question because you said something real interesting last pod because uh, it kind of related to how I view uh, football in the year the 2023, where what I always say is build a top five offense and like, you know, defense, you kind of hope that one of the years it's going to fall your way. There's just a lot of variance with turnovers and injuries, and it depends on your opponent, that kind of thing. And you had an interesting stat about how many consecutive teams in the finals were like top 10 defensive teams, but you kind of hinted that that could be changing a little bit here and I kind of wanted to you know just pick your brain about why you thought maybe that might be a little bit different here um, going forward and whether you think offense like if you were building a team or uh, you know if uh, Daryl Morey called you up and said hey I listened to the Philly special I heard what you said why do you feel that way Raheem uh, what what you think about kind of a, a building offense versus building defense and, and what's more important in today's NBA um I mean What's clear that you definitely need a defense at at a certain point. Um, I think, you know, to list the stat that I think I named was that there's only been three teams without a top top 10 defense who have made the finals. That's the 01 Lakers who kind of just flipped the switch. They had a ton of injuries. They totally flipped the switch. Um, That's the 2018 Warriors. And that is also the 95 Rockets. So it's pretty clear that you know, you kind of got to have a top 10 defense. But the one thing I have noticed is that, interestingly enough, 
There have been 13 teams which have lost in the finals that had a defensive rating lower than 10th. Okay. So, and let's look at those teams. The 19 Warriors. Obviously, they had the injury to, to KD um, and Clay. The 2018 Cavs, the 2017 Cavs, the 2015 Cavs, the 2014 Miami <laughs> Heat. So out of the 14, te- out of the 13 teams that made the finals with the defensive rating lower than 10th, they've all come recently. <laughs> yeah. Like these are, I yeah. mean, like, so it's just like you're looking at, you know, 40, 50 years of data and you have five teams that have come in the last 10 years. Yeah. So I think that's where I think it's changing because, you know, those Cavs, and granted, those teams were like, those LeBron James Cavs teams were just better than everybody in the East, but they just overwhelmed people with their offense. And I think the Warriors got to the same place. So to me, it's pretty clear that if the Sixers can, I mean, offense is going to win these series um, between the Sixers, between the, you know, the Celtics, between the Bucks. I mean, we kind of got like a rock, paper, scissors thing going on with those teams because I think each one of those teams has a team that they don't match up with well and a team that they don't, that they do match up with well. But I just, I, I think offense is, is where it's at in today's NBA, especially with all the three point shoot and all the variants. So that's why um, I said that the other day. Yeah, that's that that that's pretty interesting because I wanted to ask you what you thought uh, about their their defense and like whether this is like man panic level types of concern whether it's let's see what happens in the playoffs or whether it's hey if the offense is playing like it's playing right now top three offense uh, in the NBA then it might not matter because I, I was looking their three worst defensive performances of the season Raheem all came on that recent road trip. Dallas, Milwaukee, Indiana, those were the three worst defensive performances if you just look points per possession of the entire season. So obviously that is not a good thing. And you alluded to it earlier, whether it's transition versus half court. In those three specific games, and this is small sample size, opponents matter, their half court defense was bad in those three games. But Zooming out, I mean, do you feel like you can point to a couple things? Is it as simple as, hey, if Maxie and Harden are both on the court, your perimeter defense isn't going to be great? Is it the transition stuff? What do you kind of look at? And is it something they need to figure out? Or is it something to kind of what, what you said? Hey, just score points and do the best you can on defense, and that might be good enough. Um, I, I think a big part of that, obviously, is that we, I mean, like you, you mentioned it. Maxie and Hart on the floor at the same time. It's it's tough to yeah. field a decent d- defense. But you know, somebody pointed something out interesting is that a lot of this has to be effort and a lot of this has to be scheme and focus because the defensive rating and a lot of people like one of the reasons why we were starting Melton is because we felt like Maxie would be better off the bench and it would help us field a, a better defense. But the defensive rating really wasn't better with Melton on and Maxie off. So it's clear that there's something, you know, going on with the scheme, with the focus that I think will be a little bit better in the postseason. But I mean, as a whole, we don't we don't really have great personnel um, in terms of being able to stop perimeter you know, oriented teams. I mean, we saw it in the Pelicans game, the first Pelicans game where C.J. McCollum dropped 41 points. We saw it, you know, I think a week later or, you know, a week earlier with 
you know, Zach Levine dropping 41. We just, we struggle to guard guys on a perimeter. I think that's why, you know, Boston is such a horrible matchup for us because they have all those wings. We don't have a, a collection of wings like the Clippers or the Celtics. Um, so we're going to, we're going to struggle to guard Jason Tatum. We're going to struggle to guard Jalen Brown. Um, so I think that's where our struggles are going to come. And I, th- and I think that's why we're a better matchup for the Bucks because we're going to throw somebody at Giannis Antetokounmpo. We got Joel Embiid. Um, but they, I mean, you know, granted middle Middleton could probably kill us, but he's not Jason Tatum. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no no doubt about it. It'll, it'll be a fun sort of experiment because this is just a different version of the Sixers than we've seen in previous years when you look at strengths and weaknesses in offense versus defense, like what shows up, what plays in the playoffs because in the regular season, uh, specifically recently, it's been enough for the most part to have that offense even when you have those defensive lapses. All right, I wanted to finish with a couple things. One thing I wanted to disagree with you and Chris on uh, vehemently was the thing about Joel Embiid is sheltered and he doesn't care about the MVP this year. Come on. What was the thing? You had a great uh, line that I texted you about earlier this season. What is his sign, Joel Embiid, where you were saying he's a little emotional? He's a a Pisces. He's a Pisces. He's a Pisces. (laughs) He's a little emotional, which I love that because he is. I mean, my wife was watching that Bucks game with me and she goes, what's wrong with him? I go, what do you mean what's wrong with him? And she's like, he looks so sad. He looks like Eeyore from uh, the pool right now. I'm like, because Giannis, during that game, like it was the third quarter and they just show him and he doesn't have like a bead of sweat on him and beat is hunched over he's got the sweat dripping from the beard and it's just it's very different and beat and i'm with you that he is uh an emotional guy and i love that and so i think he just decided you know what i've campaigned for this in previous years it hasn't paid off it's not worth my time to do it this year so you always get points with the media you know this when you say oh i don't care you know i and i don't think you're selfish if you do care like it's the freaking mvp you've worked your whole life to be the you know one of the greatest but uh, I believe he cares as as much as he's ever cared before. But he just feels like, where has that really gotten me? I don't need to speak about it right now. What do you What do you think about that? I actually agree with that. I think that's a great take. <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree with that. I, um, I find it hard. He just suddenly doesn't care. I mean, now granted, <laughs> yeah. if you know we win a championship, I think that's the that's the priority. But I do think he cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, people all. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you can't paint it whether someone cares about individual accolades or team success. Like you can care about both those things, and specifically when you're that good. Like if you're the best player you can be that will lead to uh team success so I, I just had to uh bring that take out as i was listening to the pod um with you guys last time all right last things i wanted to uh bring up here oh yes we have look at this chris ryan making the cameo chris ryan can you hear us my friend i can't i'm only on zoom today because there's weirdly no microphones at spotify that i can use but i just <laughs> wanted to say hi Nice. Well, it's uh, it's great to see you both. We Raheem's been humoring me with my uh, Sixers takes for about a half an hour now, and I'm, I'm finishing with a couple here. The one I just threw at him, Chris, where I said I listened to you and Raheem on the last episode about like you know, hey, MB doesn't care about the MVP uh, this year. He's doing a great job being focused, and I was like, settle down. Embiid cares as much as he's ever cared about it, but he knows that hasn't gotten him anywhere campaigning uh, in the media. So he's taking this new tact. You know how sports writers work now they'll be like oh you know Embiid is focused on the team team success and so uh he, he's focused on the right things this year so I think he cares as much as he's ever cared he's just taking a different strategy this year what do you think Raheem it's been what 24 hours since we recorded yeah it's definitely been 24 <laughs> something like that 30 hours yeah <laughs> I would like to announce this 
on Shields' first Sixers Philly special. Ooh, I'm excited. Embiid's winning the MVP. Ooh, wow. Really? You think it swung. Embiid is going to go bonkers these next 10 days, and then he's going to like go toe-to-toe with Jokic in Denver. And now I think that weirdly, and I hate it for him or whatever, but like I think the MVP narrative is kind of shattered in the last couple of days. And I think everybody's going to take a step back and think about it and be like, you know what? There is three more weeks in the regular season. You know, there is a month left. Like, maybe we should just chill out. Like, Bill tweeted, like, why don't we all take a breath and watch the rest of the regular season? And I think if Embiid, like, plays at the level that he's been playing at and doesn't get hurt and goes into Denver and has, like, another great game against Jokic, I think he's going to win it. Wow. You know, I, I, I like, people hit me mad at that 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 Bill tweet. A couple people. Um, I, I won't say who, <laughs> but they were like... You know that, you know, most of the season's been played. Like, most of these teams have played 60 games. So, they were they were saying that, that that's a product of recency bias. But I do agree with you. I think that second Denver game is going to be huge. And people are going to vote at the end of the season, which is, you know, beginning of April. It's, it's hard to not avoid that recency bias if Joel Embiid goes on a run, you know, this second half of the season. Yeah, I, I got thrown into this. I just had some like harmless tweet about Embiid's numbers after <laughs> I think the last game, and all of a sudden I look at my phone. Kendrick Perkins has retweeted. I go, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in the middle of this conversation for the next 12 hours. But I think you're, that stretch starting March 25th uh, or even March 24th, they go go at Golden State, at Phoenix, at Denver, uh, Mavericks, Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, like. That is a stretch where if he's just going off and they're winning games and now the buzz is starting about, all right, take the Sixers seriously in the East. I feel like that's where he's got the opportunity uh, to really make up the most ground. But yeah, it has become it has become very heated uh, and very charged, that, that, that MVP conversation between Embiid and Jokic. Chris, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I, was, I have this uh, dumb theory about sports fandom where I don't really care if the teams I root for win titles. I want to enjoy the time I spend with them. Like, all right, I just sat down for two and a half hours watching a Sixers game. Am I glad I did that? Or am I like, what is wrong with you? Why did you do that? And I feel like this Sixers team has passed that test for me more than any other MB team uh, I've watched. Maybe, I mean, really could make the case more than any team since that 2000-2001 Iverson team, which is my favorite favorite sports team of all time. Me and Raheem, we we still have Doug Collins love. Oh, I do too. No, yeah, we talked about that. That Igudala 2012, yes. Yes, that was a fun one. But uh, do you agree with that just from like an entertainment? Like, thank you for not ruining my life and making me uh, enjoy being a fan experience or are you not there yet with this team? I feel that way about the Eagles. Okay. I feel that way about the Phillies. I feel like after the process, I do not feel that way about the Sixers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to, t- to basically be confronted with like an existential question of like, should I actually spend time watching this team if they are actively trying to lose? And then, and then having the, the reason for that be... This is the best way to win a championship yeah. is to bottom out to, to get these high draft picks and then to be in a situation where you can get the Hardens and the Butlers when they're available. That's for titles. Yeah. And 
all the like, oh, these guys are are my guys, and I love Ben and Fultz and and Covington and Dario and and Tony Bradley and like all these like guys who were like on the ups on the ascendancy of the Sixers team, that Feds team that was kind of just fun, you know, and like this kind of young Thunder East vibe that the Sixers had. That's when I was like a little bit more like, who cares what happens? But the amount of turmoil this team has been through and the grand project of the last 10 years of going through everything with these three GMs, four GMs, multiple coaches to get to here. And, and, and a lot of it, I think psychologically is tied up with me with Embiid where it's just like, this guy deserves it. Um, we've, he's, he's had his heart broken a couple of times, the Kawhi bounce, like obviously like, you know, the trades that have happened, losing Butler, he was obviously like pretty upset about that. The Sixers for me is like title or bust. Wow. Yeah, no, that, I'm not mad that, at that. That's I, a like, reasonable I, I, explanation. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Like, <laughs> like you, you kind of changed my stance, honestly. Yo, I would have been fine if we had just been like a better Pacers. You know what I mean? And we were just like, we have our guys and we're like, we win 48 games a year and I would watch the Sixers like 60 times if I wasn't doing a podcast about them even. Mm. I would try to watch as many Sixers games as I could and just be like, I like my NBA team and like, we're good, you know? But uh, this is different. This is the way that they have conducted their business over the last 10 years is different. And so you kind of put yourself in this position where you're like, we bottomed out. We've gone through all these different stars. We've got Doc. We got Harden. Like I... I feel like, I feel like that's that that's that's not only for the fans, that's for the players. I don't think that they're going to be satisfied. I think we can see a much different team next season if this team goes out in the second round. That's the thing, yeah. the urgency, because the unknown of the offseason and what they're going to look like uh, next year. That's why, yeah, the next couple months here could be stressful. Maybe it's different for me. I was in Seattle for those two years of the process where I was like, all right, I'm not getting league pass. I'm watching this team uh, every night, at uh, every day at 4 o'clock here um, when they have no chance of winning. So then I come back, and it was 2017, and they're in the play. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. All right, they're back in the playoffs. I'm back in on it. But uh, I was telling Raheem, even last year, I didn't feel that much uh, – about this team when they lost to the Heat. Um, I took my dad to the, that final game, and I was just like, all right, that's kind of what I uh, expected. I didn't have high expectations, but I feel myself more invested um, and more believing in this team, which is obviously always a dangerous place to be. All right, let's finish with this. What's the best-case scenario here as we look at the next two weeks and how things set up? Uh in the playoffs. If you look at it right now, they're two back of Boston, uh, but Boston has the tie break. So you're kind of three back of Boston. Uh, Sixers would play the Nets. If the season ended today, that seems like it would be a nice scenario. The Knicks could also uh, get in there. And then you're obviously trying to hold off uh, Cleveland. Raheem, let's start, start with you. If you, if you could sort of paint it out and say, here's where I want the Sixers to be to start the postseason. Here's who they play uh, in the first round and how the bracket sets up. What would your, uh, what would your wish be? I mean, my biggest wish is that we don't play Boston um, and we just find a way. Like, Boston has fallen to the second seat right now. Um, We're about two games behind the Celtics right now. I just don't want to play the—I don't want to be on the same side of the bracket as the Celtics because I just don't see any scenario in which we can beat them. I just just don't. So that's my biggest hope for the second half of the season. (laughs) The the direct deposit just hit from Bill when you said that? (laughs) 
<laughs> Chris, I was going to ask you because my another one of my theories is that it's more fun to root against a team you hate than root for a team you love. And since I've heard you many times on with Bill, I feel like the way you needle him, which I always uh, enjoy, and I'm saying, yeah, get him. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you feel the same way, but the Celtics are faltering a, a, a little bit um, here, but I don't know. Many people are saying Joe Missoula doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, Shiel, my one wish for the day the playoffs start is for us to be healthy. Yes. And for it not to be like a postseason that's compromised by a hardened hamstring or an Embiid foot or uh, a Tobias Harris knee or Tyrese Maxey back or anything. Not, you know, I'm making up injuries now, but yeah. like, I don't want to go back and be like, man, we, we really had a good team. It's too bad Harden's hamstring gave out. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and we really had a good team. It's too bad Embiid's foot gave out because he played 38 minutes a game down the stretch. You know what I mean? Like if I don't care if we get the heat, if we get the nets, if we get the Hawks, if we get the wizards, whoever it is in the first round, like Boston and Milwaukee are the Godzilla and King Kong of the East. We're going to have to face them eventually. And I just would like to do it healthy. Yeah. The three guys, especially, I mean, Mm -hmm. Embiid, Max, I'm never ever going to get over Embiid getting hurt dunking on Daniel Gafford. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, like, you know, the, the, and I'm never going to get over just like the feeling that like, we've left, we've left opportunities on the table just because like, we didn't have our best guys. So I just hope we have our best guys. Yeah. Even yeah. if they play Boston, if you, if you have Maxi Harden and, and Bede all healthy, let's see what it looks like. Yeah. It's so sad. My youngest daughter, whenever she said Embiid, is that the guy who broke his face? I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's the guy who was, who was wearing the mask when we were watching Sixers games. So we'll see what it looks like. But it's been fun. Like, I, I'm sort of sad. They, like, I've been loving these Saturday night, prime time, big opponent, like this stretch in where everyone, before the All-Star break, you're going, this is such a daunting schedule. But it's been really fun to watch them go up against great teams. And the entertainment value has been fantastic, uh, mostly because of how they've played offensively. All right. This has been a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, we're, I'm definitely going to like bug you guys about doing this more uh, going forward. I was able to fire off some takes. You know, Raheem and Chris will be back next week. They'll be doing the Sixers show uh, weekly, and then we'll sprinkle in some Sixers into this episode later in the week. Guys, thank you for joining me. I will continue to listen, and I love that Chris, I mean, Raheem, Chris just came on and like 10 seconds in just fired <laughs> off a monster take that they can use for like social and whatever else here. I mean, I got to step up my game next next time with that yeah i I love that he came on um especially since i'm under the weather right now (laughs) like so that that's right this was raheem's flu game so we appreciate him powering through all right all right we're gonna take a break i'm gonna come back with cliff we're gonna get to some other stuff uh maybe a little eagles maybe a little uh cliff's group chat we're gonna debut a segment there and uh thanks again to chris and raheem and we'll be back in a second here on the ringers philly special this episode is brought to you by cars.com When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, that was a lot of fun, Cliff. I mean, Raheem, I feel like I learn stuff about the NBA every time I listen uh, or talk to Raheem. And then, I mean, Chris Ryan, that, that's a pro right there. He just come in, no small talk. He just comes in and fire up, fires off a take. I mean, even you have to be impressed by that. Of course I'm impressed by that. It's, it's always great. <laughs> Big dogs on the pod, man. When you're working with Shil, Raheem, and Chris, it's, it's a pleasure. So, you know, uh, obviously seeing the way he works and he's a vet in the industry, you're a vet in the industry, Raheem is – one of the smartest dudes that we actually know, Wharton grad, you know, uh, yeah, I know. our biggest guy. So, you know, you guys, y'all bring it, y'all bring it to the Philly pod, man. Every, and I get, I get great feedback from everybody. The streets talk about y'all. So I'm just letting you know that now. Yeah, this was fun. I, I like this. I'm in a good spot where I'm like Eagles all year. If the Phillies are doing something to say, I can just jump in. Like, I don't, you know, November, I don't need to be offering takes on whether they're, you know, three and two or four and six or whatever. I can just jump in when things get fun. So that, that was a lot of fun. And yeah, that's what we're going to do uh, with this show. Listen, Cliff's going to help me. We're going to do a, a third show uh, on this feed every week. If you have feedback, let me know what you want to hear about. Do you want more Eagles? Do you want more Sixers? Do you want uh, more Phillies? Do you want more guests? Do you want us to mix it up? Let us know. But I think it, it's going to be a lot of fun because we launched the pod and we're like, let's just do a lot of Eagles and we'll figure everything else out. So we're starting to do that now. So here's a, here's a segment I wanted to debut because if there's one piece of feedback I get from people all walks of life, every avenue, every fan, it's we need more Cliff. We got to get more Cliff on the show. And Cliff's always telling us before the show starts, he's like, man, someone said this in my group chat. Hey, Benny Souls, my friend's ripping you on our group chat because you said, you know, this thing. So he's always filling us in. I thought, why are we doing that before the show? I want to do that on the show. So we're going to debut this segment, Cliff's group chat. Cliff's going to tell me what people are talking about, and then we'll uh, we'll bat it around a little bit back and forth. So Cliff, go ahead. I know you're on, what, 37 different group chats with with Philadelphia sports fans? There's the Hoops chat. There's the Sixers chat. There's the general (laughs) Eagles, Sixers, Philly sports chat. There's like four Eagles chats in, involved in this. So there's a bunch of sports chats. I need to. I need to get. You think I have too many of them, or do you like? Do you think this is good for content? Well, it's interesting because I didn't grow up in like the uh, you know not to make myself sound even older, but like the group chat started like later in life for me. So I have like the main group chat uh, with, with close friends from high school, and then you have like a couple other random ones. But I would say I have like my main one where this is all Sixers, Eagles, whatever's going on with people's kids, lives, whatever. It can all be battered around there. So yeah, I would probably get a little confused if I were you, and I had so many, and I'd be like, wait, am I responding to the same? 
one, but you're a multitasker. You're young. You, you can handle it. But if you need to cut some people out, listen, you got to cut some people out. So today there is a there is a Brian Colangelo mentioned today that came oh, wow. up with building the Sixers roster. And they talked about the Matisse Thibel trade and how, you know, he's shown flashes in Portland, but obviously, uh, you know, that's kind of tailed off a little bit. So today, you know, fans across across the city have been talking about, hey, was trading Matisse Thibel a mistake in order to get Jalen McDaniels? Now, I want to ask you this real quick. I think this is preposterous. I think we've seen enough of Matisse Thibel over the last three or so years. We saw how clearly he just could not play with Embiid. He can only play with Harden when he does all the backdoor screening cuts, whatnot. He's a good defender. But there's a ton of Sixers fans who are still like trying to, I guess, use this against Doc Rivers because they're like, well, he can't develop young players. And Raheem kind of said that earlier in the pod. But I'm like, bro, Matisse Dabble had, he was in the starting lineup after the trade deadline last year with James Harden. He had ample opportunities to take that over, but then come playoff time, obviously you're not going to get deep into the vaccine thing, but he can't, he couldn't play in Toronto. So he could, he wasn't reliable enough. And then clearly we see he can't shoot the ball. So I just want to know your general thoughts on the whole Matisse Thibault thing, whether it's the same as, well, Doc can't develop young players, or did this guy have a million chances to play in Philly and just couldn't produce or do what the Sixers needed him to do, spread the floor and, you know, maybe make an extra steal, extra block. By the way, he's a he's an all-NBA defender, so I'm not trying to say his defense was horrendous or anything like that. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, maybe a couple more things. Yeah, I mean, I, I can hear what Raheem is saying. And, I mean, it was obvious that Doc was not going to play Matisse Thibel. And so I think that's part of it. But, I mean, yeah, that that rubbed people the wrong way, certainly, when he couldn't play uh, in Toronto. And, and, you know, rightfully so, in my opinion, when you look at it just from, like, a uh, team perspective and not even any of the, of the other uh, implications. And then... I'm kind of with you. Yeah, like it's his fourth season. Anytime you trade a player, maybe they'll develop and become better. But I didn't look at that and be like, what are you doing? How could you give up uh, on this guy? I mean, I've had too many years of watching Sixers basketball where guys can't shoot. And that's like, again, to get back to just like, what's that fan experience like? Like, sure, it's fun when a guy's a good defender. But you know what I really like? When a guy hits a wide open three. And maybe that won't be McDaniels. But already what I've seen from McDaniels, I'm like, I like watching this guy play. I mean, those arms, he just sits, stands there with his arms to his side and they like, they like touch his knees. So, I mean, he he could be a fun player in terms of the right matchup. Like if you have a smaller guard or something and he's, you know, he's giving them problems, uh, the energy, the put back dunks, all those things. So yeah, I'm fine with the swap from an entertainment standpoint. So I, th- I think I ride more with you uh, in that argument. What all else right. is popping in the group chat? Oh, we got, just so I have a good friend of mine, my boy, Rich. Love him to death. He's he's a great dude. Diehard Eagles fan. Eagles season ticket holder. Sends these mock drafts at like during his lunch break every day. He sends these mock drafts <laughs> like, with the picks in uh, those two first round picks, the two second round picks, and the third round pick. Right. So he sends these mock drafts, and I need I need your rating on this. Jerry uh, Joey Porter Jr. going 18th. Nolan Smith going 30th. Dayon Henley going 48th. Uh, Zach Carbonet going 62nd and Eli Ricks running back. The UCLA yeah. running back. Okay. Yep. He's really good, by the way. And Eli Ricks going 81. 
I don't think they're taking a running back with that. Uh, I know I know this mock didn't have that, but you see the Bijan Robinson stuff. I don't think they're taking a run, running back with their first first round pick at thirty. I think maybe I think still unlikely, but maybe uh, Nolan Smith. Now he's a player I, I know that I like, so I think that one uh, I would absolutely be happy with. Um, if you're talking about what the Eagles should do, but I think they're going to maneuver a little bit. I mean, really, I know people are panicking about the free agents they're going to lose uh, you know the truth is that like they have a, a real opportunity to add some day one starters with, with this draft capital that they have and the guys don't have to be great right away they have to be kind of competent starters or you know got, kind of give you what you need fill a role right away and then you've got guys from last year who need to step up so uh, yeah I you know what we, let's bring that back up with Solak on Tuesday you let me know what Rich texts that day what mock draft he has and then we'll throw it out there to Solak I, I think you said Someone had something about like the Jalen Hurts contract, right? Well, oh, what yeah, was that yeah. one about in the group so the Jalen chat? Jalen Hurts contract. We're talking about obviously Lamar Jackson um, is due for a contract now. The Ravens are kind of, you know, teams have said they're outwardly that they're not going to pursue Lamar Jackson, which is crazy to me, but to each his own. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the Patrick Mahomes deal. I said, well, if Kyler Murray was guaranteed 189, I mean, Jalen Hurts got to be 200, right? He has to be flirting with 200. Maybe 200 guaranteed over six years probably amounts to about 250 uh, overall in the overall contract. So I want to get your thoughts on the Jalen Hurts thing. Do you think that we see a 200 million dollar a 200 million dollar quarterback with Jalen Hurts, or do the Eagles try to you know go tooth and nail with that just to build the roster and kind of keep the flow going? Yeah, so I think that uh, the guarantees in the NFL get tricky because there's total guarantees, which the agents will leak that to reporters to make the numbers look really good, which that means if the player gets injured, then they still get that money. So not saying it's nothing, but that's not like, hey, the player is guaranteed to get that money. You want to look at when you see the terminology, what does it say? Uh, fully guaranteed at signing. Like that's the money that's in the player's pocket, regardless of what happens. And so if you look at those numbers, obviously Deshaun Watson got his whole thing uh, fully guaranteed 230 million next up there Russell Wilson 124 million and after that Kyler Murray 103 million so the Lamar thing is interesting because if all these quarterbacks banded together like Lamar Jalen Hurts Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert like if those three guys said hey we want to do what Lamar's doing and get fully guaranteed deals. They could really kind of change how things operate in the NFL, but a lot of times with quarterbacks who are in their early to mid-20s, the guarantee doesn't matter as much because you're going to see that money. Like you usually, you know, you don't see like a 27 year old great quarterback just get released because he's not uh, performing. So usually the guarantee might not be as important to them, but if they're saying, Hey, let's change how the way things operate in the NFL, let's help our peers on other teams. Let's get more guaranteed contracts. Then that's kind of a storyline to watch um, in the NFL. So if Hertz just does what we see traditionally, I mean, the, the contract I keep pointing to is Kyler Murray, and that is a 200 and $30.5 million deal over what was it? One, two, three, four. Uh, I think it was a five year, uh, a five year deal for Kyler Murray making $46 million per year. That's like the absolute floor, in my opinion, for a Jalen Hurts contract. Like you're going to have to go above that. He's just accomplished more than Kyler Murray. He just got you uh, to a Super Bowl. And so I think if he signs before, like Herbert uh, Burrow, Lamar, those guys, you're probably looking at a 
fully, you know, the, the fully guaranteed part is going to be second to only Deshaun Watson. And so that's a wide range, anywhere between 124 and 230. And, and then it comes into, well, you know, how long did he sign for? What's the total value of the contract? Uh, Joe Banner has talked about this. If Jalen Hurts wants to maximize his earning potential, he'll push for a shorter deal. Like he'll say, let's just do like a three-year deal. I'll hit free agency again. I mean, he's a young guy. He could hit free agency again in his 20s. And who knows what the salary cap's going to look like at that time. So that's the key... Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's like a huge thing to watch here is what's the length of that contract going to be? Cause if you're the Eagles, you say, we want to lock him in for more years because we know that cap's going to go up and we feel good uh, about the quarterback. If you're hurts, you're probably saying, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. So to answer your question, I mean, it'll be over, I would think over a hundred and $24 million guaranteed for Jalen hurts. And I would expect his average salary to be in like the 47 to $50 million range, which, which I know people are listening going, that's crazy. That, that's the price of doing business for a, a young, uh, good quarterback in the NFL right now. I got another one. Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, tweets out. A yeah, video, let's finish with this. Tweets out a video, all of Philly highlights of him making some hits, making some plays. Uh, they even had the injury play versus Green Bay where he had the, the lacerated kidney and all that. Players commenting underneath there. I seen one K always open <laughs> Brown. Yo, go do something for your family. I seen Slay under there. Yeah. Dog, I, you know, I see, I see, I think Gilly commented on there. I'm gonna miss you, my man, or something like that. So it's a lot going on with that. Is it looking bleak on us? <laughs> CJ DJ coming back. Yeah, that sounded like a goodbye note, didn't it? I mean, any, yeah. anything can happen, but that was my read on it. I know, you know, Solak was able to make reads based on emojis that Javon Hargrave uh, sent out. I can't do that, but when it's more obvious, like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson kind of saying, all love Philly and sending the thing out there. And then, like you said, when A.J. Brown saying, go take care of your family, I mean, that to me uh, would signify that, hey, you're probably going to get some more money elsewhere than you are in Philadelphia. So it's going to be, listen, I did the top 100 free agents and I had 12 Eagles on that list. I don't think I had another team with more than like five or six players. I mean, they're just, when you have the success they did last year and all these guys are up, you're going to lose guys. And so um, I would anticipate that he is not an Eagle next year. I don't think it's guaranteed because listen, you never know until you find out exactly what the offers are, which we'll find out on Monday uh, of next week, what they're going to be. So all of a sudden, if you don't have the market you thought you were going to have, Maybe you come back, but uh, yeah, I, I saw your tweet for that cliff. So I feel like you gotta, you might go through it a little bit next week. Not just be the whole Gardner city. Johnson, yeah, yeah, I not know. just be the I, whole I think, city. Yeah, I think it hurts. Johnson I like, probably. I like him. Uh, he was, I mean, to me, talking about safeties on the Eagles. Is he the best since B Dog? Like, am I tripping for saying that? Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, you're forgetting. Oh, uh, yeah. you know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? yeah. No, I, but they had, but but you are right. They they've had a lot of trouble filling that position, and when you have a bad player at that position, it really stands out, and the player really takes uh, the ire of the fans and the media and everything. So, like, we shouldn't undervalue just getting a high floor, competent play uh, from a safety, which certainly he gave you a little more than that last year. All right. I got to finish with this non-sport. Uh, that, 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 I like that. How do you think Cliff's let me, group chat? Let me apologize to Malcolm Jenkins first though. That's, I can't believe yeah. I just blanked. <laughs> That's crazy. Really, don't kill me for that. I really just blanked in my mind for a second there just because he's, he's such a hitter. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah, 
Yeah. Sorry, Malcolm Jenkins. Sorry, Philly. Like I, I can't believe I forgot that for a second. But That's yeah, all right. We'll have we'll have Malcolm Jenkins uh, on, on in the future. You, I got to apologize. To yeah, uh, to him. Yeah, like like uh, like other people do. All right, I want to finish it with this. This is a life question, uh, Cliff. I know you have a car right in Brooklyn, right? You drive right. now. Now, do you remember when you got an oil change last? Do you are you on top of the oil change or not really? Do you kind of uh, like yeah? You sometimes? know what? It's, it's actually due coming up, but. I think I last okay. got one in, I want to say like late October or something like that. So I think I'm like kind of due do, for one pretty soon. Do you remember what the price range is for paying uh, for an oil change yeah. for your car? You might not. Well, yeah. like what do you got? Like $100 or something like that. Oh, is it? Okay. All right. Well, this yeah. making me feel a little bit better. So I got this place down the street yeah. where uh, it's like a mechanic. I've never gone to it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my car there for an oil change because I can literally walk back to my house. You know, you don't have to worry about waiting there or getting picked up. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to ask them beforehand how much they charge for an oil change because like there's going to be a small range for, you know, like no one's going to be charging me 700 bucks for an oil change. I expected it to be like, even if it was expensive, more on like the, you know, 70, $80 range. I drop my car off. I go back cliff to get my car. They say, oil change is done. $139. Yeah. You got ripped off. I mean, yeah, you got, come on. It also depends on what type of car you got. You, you out here with the big bucks. So, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What, <laughs> no. I know what type of vehicle you're driving. I don't know who you're going to, but if if it's just, you know, I'm not going to say a regular car. I'm assuming you got something newer, but. I got an SUV. I have a, I have a, I have a lease. I can just say a lease Toyota Highlander. So you got the third row uh, SUV. So that's why I thought it would be a little bit, you know, a little bit more expensive than regular, but that, I'm not driving like a, like a Benz or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cliff. No, 140. That's a little bit pricey. You got to. I mean, you might have to venture into the city a little bit and get you some, get you some cheaper. Go to a Jiffy Lube or something. I man. can't go back there now. I mean, they <laughs> could have had my business for the rest of the time I lived here because the yeah. convenience, right? You drop your car off, you walk home, they call you, you walk, you get it, you bring it back. But now I can't go back there again. One hundred and thirty-nine dollars for an oil change, unbelievable. If anyone's Absolutely. listening, if you're a mechanic, uh, let me know. Mike, maybe this is, maybe it is. I thought, you know what it was? The car's on lease. And so when it's on lease, the first two years, the dealership does the oil change for you for free. And uh-huh. so like, I was like, Hey, maybe during the pandemic, I don't know what happened. Maybe the price of oil went up big time. I'm texting my friends and there go. Same thing. You said, no, $139. Expensive. Yo, $139 is crazy for an oil change. I don't care how much money. You <laughs> it's, that is insane. It's crazy. Like yeah. You can go somewhere so, and get that done $80, $90, maybe even honestly, some places even less than that, but $139. Yeah. I think they got you. Were you, did you look that, at the, did you look at the receipt and be like, yo, like what's, what's up with this? Like, why am I getting charged as much? Are you, you just, know, I thought about it. It was already done. And in my head, this was like an experiment. If they give me a reasonable price, they got my business. If it's something wild, but I didn't think it was going to be that wild. So it was already done. They handed me the receipt. It's a small business. You can't do anything after the fact. You know, I would have had to say something uh, before the fact. Back in the day, I mean, people would have the signs like 1995 oil change. I miss those days. So yeah, you also say you can't give the oil back. Like you can't give you can't the, oil get the oil back. Yeah. <laughs> That's what someone yeah. else asked. They're like, did they do all the other stuff? You know, when you go to like a, a Jiffy Lube or something, they're showing you all this thing you don't understand. And they're saying, we got to do this, this, and this, charge you. 
And I'm, I'm always like, no. So maybe they did some of that stuff and didn't ask me. None of that was on the receipt. It just said oil change. So I don't know. We'll go back to the drawing board. So how that. about this, man? I'm going to get you connected to a mechanic. And anytime you need some car repairs in the city, man, I got you. Uh, and let's say this is why you keep Cliff around. The guy has connections uh, all over the place. I love it. All right. This was it. How do you think we did? How do you think the inaugural, what are we calling this? The the Kapadia Grab Bag Thursday show or some will come up with some type of name. Uh, what, what do you think? Did we have how a about, nice debut? How about this? We let the streets uh, rate it. You got to. You gotta I like that. On, you got to hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and all the, you know, all the other social media sites. Rate it. Was it A plus, B minus, yeah. F? With e, yeah. e, whatever the case may be, you let us know. <laughs> F minus, like, what was it? The Cardinals uh, cafeteria or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. that was with those NFL report cards. The Washington Commanders overall rating, F minus. <laughs> that's right. Just to set up next week. So Monday at four o'clock, that's when players and teams in the NFL can negotiate uh, with each other. And you'll see players agreeing to terms on Monday and Tuesday right away, even if it's not official. So that's going to be a big week in the NFL. Trades will be agreed to. Uh, a lot of stuff will be happening Monday and Tuesday. And so Ben and I will come back and we'll recap some of that stuff uh, early in the week, see if the Eagles sign anybody or probably more likely uh, who gets let go from the Eagles, where they sign, what they sign for. And so we'll go over all that stuff. Then Chris and Raheem will come back with the Sixers show uh, in the middle of the week. And then we'll come back with this show later in the week all right thank you to cliff augustine the ace producer love having more more cliff on the show i mean it's gonna get if you if you rate below like a b with more cliff on the show then listen you're gonna have people uh to answer to thanks to cliff thanks to raheem thanks to chris ryan for jumping on everybody have a great weekend and we will talk to you early next week on the ringers philly special 